Hi, welcome to Operation Health Caring. My name is Laura Kohler. Today, I'm gonna to talk to you about some common ways that we teach patients. Please tell me if you agree or disagree with this statement. When you know better, you do better. In other words, when you know more about nutrition, you eat better. When you know more about your health, you take better care of your health. What do you think? Choose an answer. Well, our gut instinct may be to say, well, yes, when you have more knowledge about something, you can do a better job. Actually, research shows otherwise. There's this great quote by sociologist Dina Rose. She writes about the importance of developing a specific set of eating habits, especially in children. Here's what she says. It surprises me to think that if we want people to eat better, all we have to do is teach them more about nutrition because there's never been a time in history when people knew so much about nutrition and yet ate so poorly. If all it took to eat well was a knowledge of nutrition, we'd all be stellar eaters, but that's not the case. What it takes to eat right is to know about how to implement the right habits. That being said, let's think about some common approaches to teaching patients. Here's an example from my own practice. I want a patient to learn how to better manage her phosphorus. So I start by talking with the patient and reviewing a handout about high phosphorus foods. The following month, the patient's phosphorus is still high. So I find a different handout and review that one with the patient. The next month, again, the phosphorus is high and I find a third handout to review with the patient. The first two must not have worked. In the following months, I may go back to review one of the first two handouts again and if I get really frustrated, I may give the patient multiple handouts all at one time. I don't know about you, but maybe I just haven't found the right handout yet. In addition to giving patients handouts, I've used some other strategies to educate my patients. I've given lectures, pep talks, contests, prizes, even threats. I've even given scare tactics. How many dialysis dietitians have been told to just show the patient the calciphylaxis pictures? That will convince them to make a change. While some of these strategies may work for some patients, they still come up short for others. So what about motivational interviewing? Motivational interviewing is a fantastic tool. It's something that I use in my practice regularly, probably every single day. What you need to know about motivational interviewing is that it is a collaborative and goal-oriented style of communication with particular attention to the language of change. It is a style of communication, and in that respect, it works great. It helps with building relationships with patients, with building trust. However, in terms of specific and concrete strategies for changing actual behaviors, I often find that it comes up short. So what about non-compliant patients? This is an idea I've struggled with for a while, and I finally reached my own conclusion. I think that labeling a patient as non-compliant is not very helpful. It suggests that there's something wrong with the patient and that there's nothing more the practitioner can do for the patient except for throw up her hands and say, well, what did you expect? The patient is non-compliant. Then I recall the quote that I stumbled on when I was struggling with some behavior issues, not with one of my patients, but with one of my children. 
According to Robert McKenzie in his book, Setting Limits for Your Strong-Willed Child, compliant children will cooperate with most discipline approaches, even ineffective ones, because their underlying desire is to cooperate. They permit parents a wide margin for ineffectiveness. Strong-willed children, on the other hand, do not respond to ineffective discipline. They require clear, firm, and consistent guidance. Ineffective discipline is a fast lane to a power struggle with a strong-willed child. So what happens if we change a few words in that quote to make it relevant for our patients? Compliant patients will cooperate with most teaching approaches, even ineffective ones, because their underlying desire is to cooperate. They permit teachers a wide margin for ineffectiveness. Non-compliant patients, on the other hand, do not respond to ineffective teaching. They require clear, firm, and consistent guidance. Ineffective teaching is a fast lane to a power struggle with non-compliant patients. From this perspective, if the patients who benefit most from our teaching approaches are compliant patients who have an underlying desire to cooperate, then perhaps those teaching methods are not as effective as we thought. Maybe it's not the patient's fault. Maybe it's not yours either. It's the tools that we're using. Essentially, to connect with all of our patients, we need a set of tools that's better suited for the job. When we sit down to educate a patient, what is the most important consideration? Are we thinking about sharing information or are we thinking about how to best promote and facilitate behavior change, even in our most challenging patients? Does the patient need to pass a test or does the patient need to be able to do the right thing? Does the patient need a degree in renal nutrition or does the patient need to be able to meet their nutrition-related goals? And if knowledge alone is not enough, then what else does the patient need to know? The answer that I've arrived at, at least in this moment in time, it's that it's not just about telling the patient what to do. It's about showing the patient how to effectively change their behavior in very specific terms. If that's the case then, then I need teaching tools that can help me to show the patient how to effectively change their behavior and stick with it for the long term.